Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz. We sit here a week after Rosh Hashanah, where we had the delight of spending it with adults <laughs> closer to our age in the Chabad community of the North Shore of Massachusetts. We had the good fortune of Brandeis having off for Rosh Hashanah, which allowed us this opportunity. And we would like to share with you, in short, what we had shared and discussed in a conversation with um, the community over the two days of Rosh Hashanah. They have an interesting setup where during um, the Torah reading, the congregants have an option of staying in Shul or going out to the tent service and actually more go out. And this is where Peretz and I had a new conversation with them. So as we approach Yom Kippur, which will bring out even more people to Shul, which is really a a day that I cannot articulate for you, you cannot articulate for someone else, but there are so many Jewish people in Shul, and we would like to bring a new approach to this experience, one that removes it from an annual duty, a sense of um, obligation or guilt, and instead something quite different. You know, after our conversation, there were about 200 people there one of the individuals approached me and he says, I love what you guys spoke about because you gave me a new perspective on what the synagogue experience is like, uh, which I could share with my wife who for years has refused to go to synagogue because she says, I don't understand the word that's going on. I don't know when to sit, when to stand, and it just doesn't speak to me. On Friday night, I had a similar conversation with some students about their annual visit to the synagogue. Mm -hmm where they said, some said, you know, I fast, but I don't go to synagogue because I just don't find it meaningful. But this is not just for people who come annually. Right. This is actually so open-ended and so much deeper where even people who um, go there weekly on Shabbat or even daily um, really, really have the opportunity or even more than that, the obligation to revisit what it is that drives them and because to sustain this experience into adulthood and then into further adulthood it needs to be much more personalized and individualized and i think the word we introduced to them was to see their synagogue as a gym that's right, right. a gym it's a place where you work out your spiritual muscle and the key when you go to gym is for you to put in the effort, to put in the work. And it's not enough to observe what other people are doing or expect the trainer to inspire you. It's about you lifting the weights and really putting in the effort. And one more thing, the effort is actually personalized to you. Mm -hmm. It's where you're holding how much you can do and how much you can't do and knowing where your point of resistance is and, and pushing beyond it. In a certain sense, not actually exactly the same way, but in a certain sense, tefillah is the same way. What we shared with them was, go ahead. That the muscle that needs to be strengthened, even found first, actually discovered, is the muscle of imagination. Where God, the divine, name it whatever you want, is not something that is actually understood or can be articulated 
or can be described except for oneself. And then it needs to be pushed further. And the words in the prayer book are in a certain sense there to stimulate your imagination and really connect you with this beyond. And the tool of the imagination that you develop it on your own, your connection to God, is so critical in your own personal self-development as a human being because in a certain sense we are creatures of imagination. In, in some ways that is perhaps our divine image. Every person is made in the Tzalem Elohim and in the divine image and in some ways it is the capacity to imagine, to see the beyond that is what makes us so unique and so distinctive and to be the masters of it instead of being the slaves of it. In other words, we're often the slaves of our imagination by images we see, by pictures we see, by things we see that other people have and we wish that we have and what that makes us feel inadequate and insufficient. But in our connection to God, in our connection to the beyond, we're in a certain sense using our imagination, we're using it to bring us to places that are further with, from outside of ourselves, greater within ourselves in connection to this greater, higher being. And at the same time, also uh, using the imagination to explore deep within ourselves. The tefillah, the prayer, the, the synagogue, is the space where we develop that muscle, that connection to God. We were all children, and imagination was just such play and took us, you know, all over, right? But as we become adults, our imagination shifts from that childlike play to other forms of beyond and we should hold on to that and also invite back this idea of play and this childlike approach to imagination which really means not bound by our own limitations that we put on ourselves not bound by our own habits and our own routines we can be we can imagine ourselves um you know working through things, breaking through things, um, ignoring limitations we put on ourselves because this infinite that you were talking about before is is our reflection of God. He or she or it is infinite um, and that is what we are reaching. And in the synagogue, shul, you know, tefillah experience, the gym, the imagination playground, this is a time when in a certain sense our minds should wander. Right. Instead of just trying, oh, I need to focus on the words, I need to focus on the words, the words... Or know where everybody is holding, know when to stand up, when to sit down. Exactly. Forget about that. It's a, it's get lost in your own thoughts. Meditate. Um, see where it takes you. And then where it takes you, understand why you're there. And then go somewhere else or stay there. But don't... It's not about guilt and trying to stay... T trying to focus on the words and then being upset when we don't, and then also saying, wait, I'm not connected to these words. Or I'm not conforming to the crowd. In a certain sense, I think we see the synagogue as a place where everybody comes together and everybody has to fit together. Mm -hmm. It's almost become a chorus. And in a certain sense, it's about conforming and fitting in. And actually, it's a place where we are ourselves within ourselves. And in a certain sense, there's a certain element of isolation yes. that we need to be in this synagogue. And perhaps... This is the idea of actually men and women sitting separately, is to break down the social character of the coming together so that in a certain sense we enhance the likelihood of being isolated within ourselves. But at the same time, we don't do it alone in our own room because 
when we do things in the presence of others who are doing the same thing, it inspires us, it motivates us, similar to when going to the gym. When we're there, other people are working out, that inspires us to do it on our own, but we're doing it on our own. A lot of us only do our exercise in a gym because we almost need that membership, we need to be accountable, similar to going to, to Shul and Yom Kippur, but a, a sustainable, successful, healthy approach would be to be able to exercise even out of the gym. So the experience of going to show, even on Shabbat or even every day, needs to transition to being able to and also valuing being able to pray on one's own, um, working out on one's own. And this is this is not easy. It, you know, it sounds fun and playful, which it also needs to be, but there needs to be some hustle and sweat involved, just like when we exercise and then we want to stop, but then we reach uh, our limitation and push through. The same thing is our imagination is not easy, especially as adults, as we become sometimes more cynical and less playful and, you know, bound by reality and, and like, you know, all the things in our head that make it harder to imagine. We have to understand, okay, what kind of relationship do I have with God? Oh, is it, is it really still an eight-year-old's vision? Is it still that king in heaven on a throne judging us and, you know, hitting the, the, his table with a gavel and deciding if we're going to live or die? Because that's quite an immature vision of God. And here's where the sweat needs to come in. Okay, that's what I have now. Do I care to evolve it? Do I care to change it? Why am I here anyway? And, and that's very hard and sometimes quite painful to acknowledge that we actually don't have a mature um, vision of God. Perhaps we also have an immature vision of ourselves where we right. almost gave up and this is life and I, I can't make changes and I can't grow. I can't do teshuva, which is really coming back to ourselves so that we could then push ourselves forward. And this is, this is not easy, but we could demand it of ourselves if we want it. And that's another thing, you know, bringing that moment to cl- of bringing ourselves to that moment of clarity. Do I want to imagine? Where am I? H- how do I want to imagine? Where do I want the imagination to take us? Am I dreading going to show? Am I going anyway? And then what am I going to do with it? And then what am I going to do with it the next day? And then in six months from now? And so the, the synagogue experience has such potency and such width and such depth that the walls of the synagogue shouldn't be there and almost the sidur should just be that you know treadmill but at the same time we need to jump off in and do some things on our own and so we well in a sense the sidur is think of it as a wireframe with the words which is the wireframe words are, are, are only what you put into it words themselves are meaningless unless the feelings and the emotion and the color that you put into it and these words were created by people who had tremendous color right. in their experience whether it was King David in the Psalms, whether it was Moses in the Shema, or whether it was the rabbis of the Great Assembly in the 2,300-400 years ago who wrote the Amidah, or it was later. These people had a very vivid, rich imagination. And then they were able to put the words to it and kind enough to pass it on to us so that we can use that as a wireframe to put in our own color our own imagination our own spirit our own self and in a certain sense grow our spirituality grow our connection to god grow our connection to ourselves to really reach in deep within ourselves 
in the things about ourselves that we are not willing or capable or interested to share with others in the presence of the divine in the synagogue we can speak to them we can let them out and that makes your Yom Kippur or your Tuesday synagogue visit or in your own room in your own room or as Parrot says in I'm going to Davin pray at, at the Kotel which is the wall and is referring to the wall in our home right make it rich make it lively Yom Kippur is a day where we touch the divine within ourselves and beyond ourselves and really get elevated but not with the rabbi sermon and not with the cantor's melodies but within our own capacity to imagine to flow to to soar so i want to wish everybody a successful workout in the sino gym oh hmm that's sort of combination of synagogue and gym <laughs> okay well. Yes, I, you know, I'm, I, I think I might even be inspiring myself. Both the gym and the synagogue are not places I actually run to. So um, this idea we're, we're pretty certain is applicable and can be absorbed by so many different um, people's experiences because you can invite it in from so many different entry points. So wishing everyone a Gemar Chatimatova, which is a complete and sealed good year. Um, because you chose to make it so. Shana Tova. Shana Tova. Thank you for listening to a new conversation with Hani and Parrot. Please rate our podcast on your favorite listening app. And if you'd like to sponsor a podcast, please reach out to us at parrots at a or on our Facebook page, Facebook forward slash a new convo.